Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of my weekly show, The Break. I'm Father Roderick. I'm a priest, and I'm a geek, and I love to share with you the deeper layers of the stories that we enjoy so much, and to dive into all these wonderful TV shows, video games, and books that we all enjoy, and hopefully you'll get some ideas for your next break. And this episode of The Break is brought to you thanks to my patrons, those people that support me with their community and their feedback and also with their monthly donation. There is also, for you, a way to join that community, even if you're not ready to support me financially. But I would really want to invite you to join that community. So go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. You can sign up for free. And in return, as a thank you, I will send you the stories that I write almost every day about movies about Star Wars, about the Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, you name it, anime. And I always try to talk about something that I've just seen or played or read, and then I try to to take some life lessons from that. So it's a very personal type of article that I'm writing, um, and I love to share it with, but only, only join the community if that's the kind of stuff that you enjoy because uh, I don't want to spam you with stuff that you don't care for. So just take a look, patreon.com slash fatherroderick, take a look around there, see what kind of stories you can expect, and I hope you join. And, oh, one last thing, we're also working on opening up a part of our Discord server, which so far for the past two years has been completely closed to the outside world. It was only accessible for my paying um, Patreon supporters. But likewise, just as we opened the Patreon community to basically anyone who is interested in what I do, we also want to open part of the Discord server so we can invite you to join the conversation there as well. And I know that many of you already use Discord for a lot of different servers that they are uh, that you are enjoying and different communities that you are a part of. And I really would like you to be part of my community on Discord as well. But stay tuned. There's still a ton of stuff that we're working on at the beginning of this new year. And so we're rolling this out very gradually. But the stories are already there on my Patreon site. So don't hesitate to take a look and to become a member. A long time ago... In a galaxy far, far away. Oh my goodness, it's not just a long time ago, but that galaxy far, far away is happening right now, this week, and I couldn't be more excited about the news that just broke. You may have already heard about it on your social media feeds or anywhere else. We are getting another Star Wars movie! Yes, I know! It's insane. We already have the promise of three major Star Wars movies that are currently in production, all three of them. But in addition to those three that were announced last year at the Star Wars Celebration in London, I remember how excited I was when I heard about that, we're getting a fourth Star Wars movie, and it is very likely that that will be the one that will bring us back to the theaters for a genuine theatrical Star Wars experience. And oh my goodness, I've been missing those Star Wars premieres. COVID was a disaster worldwide for so many millions of people. 
but it was also a small disaster for Star Wars fans because one of the things that makes Star Wars Star Wars is that theatrical experience, is to be surrounded by hundreds of fellow Star Wars fans and to see that opening scroll on the big screen. Now, of course, we did get amazing television shows and I don't think that... Star Wars would be where it is today if it hadn't been for that incredible explosion of creativity on the small screen. But unfortunately, that also had a side effect, and that is that we didn't get any movies anymore because nobody at the time was daring to invest in the production of theatrical releases because we didn't know what the future would look like. But now that we have things more or less under control, there is a new opportunity for for Lucasfilm, for Disney, for the, for the Star Wars creators to make movies. And so, what is this new movie that has just been announced and it came out of the blue? I was like, this is the best surprise and the best gift that a Star Wars fan can get at the beginning of the year. It's like a belated Christmas gift almost. It is going to be a story about the two biggest Star Wars heroes of the modern Star Wars era. I'm talking about The Mandalorian, and I'm talking about our beloved Star Wars baby, Grogu. The movie is going to be about The Mandalorian and Grogu, and that, in fact, is now used as the title of that fourth Star Wars movie. This is the weirdest Star Wars title that I've ever heard. It's also the most kind of obvious one. Like, the movie is called the Mandalorian and Grogu, but it would almost be as if the first um, the first installment of the original trilogy was not called A New Hope, but instead Luke, Leia, and Han. Or if you look at the way the story is told from the perspective of the two droids, it would be C-3PO, R2-D2, and some humans. I mean, it's a very like literal title, and we're so used to to hear titles that evoke something that are a bit mysterious. Um, the only one that gets close to this is the movie Solo. Where you do it's Solo. It's about Han Solo. It's pretty basic. And now we get The Mandalorian and Grogu. Somewhere, I, I was hoping for a, a little bit more imagination in the title. On the other hand, I'm thinking this is probably, from a marketing perspective, a very smart thing to do. Because most casual Star Wars fans that may have seen an episode or two of uh, the television series, may have seen the merchandise, they are familiar with Grogu, or Baby Yoda, as I think most people in the world still call him. And obviously, if you have seen Grogu, you will have seen the Mandalorian, the helmet, the whole branding. So to use those two names to pitch a movie, it guarantees that the audience knows that this is about something that they can enjoy, even if they're not hardcore Star Wars fans. So I is, I expect this movie to try to find a the broadest audience possible. I don't expect this movie to be controversial in any possible way. I think that Disney, and this may also be one of the reasons that they're adding this fourth Star Wars movie to the roster, because they know that at least part of the Star Wars fandom is extremely critical, seems to be very unhappy about 
where Star Wars is going right now. So what they know they have to do from a marketing perspective is to make sure that at least for the foreseeable future, Star Wars, again, will be a story of the masses, a story that everybody loves, that kids can go see, because it's got baby Yoda and be, and what parents can see with their children. So I'm thinking this is going to be a classic Star Wars story that will be very much a feel-good story, full of nostalgia and also with the, you know, the, the kind of newer style of storytelling that we are now familiar with thanks to the TV series. I think this is a super smart move. It surprises me that they're only coming up with it now. I would have expected this to have been announced last year. But it shows how much Disney is still tweaking its strategy when it comes to Star Wars. And I'm sure that behind the scenes, a lot, a lot of similar processes are happening right now around their Marvel property, which is also in dire straits, at least from the, the outside perspective. And so I'm sure that they are also racking their brains, like how can we bring back what people used to love so much about our Marvel stories? Because that's where a lot of the money is. And I think with Star Wars, this is a clear sign that they realize that they need to recapture the hearts of every Star Wars fan in the world, even the casual ones, even the critical ones. Because who can be mad about Grogu? Who can be bitter and and uh, uh, resentful when you see baby, Gro baby Yoda? <laughs> you, you, you just melt. You have to be like so much into the dark side not to like the premise of this movie. So... I think this is part of a, not just a marketing strategy, but I think this is for them very important to the overall, like, recalibration of what Star Wars is in the mind of the masses. And why not choose the most successful Star Wars character ever create, created, which, which is, I have to say it, it's Grogu. I'd, I can't imagine any other character, maybe Darth Vader, but Darth Vader, it's a dark side character. So not everybody's like, people are like, everybody knows Darth Vader, but to say I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Darth Vader, for a lot of people, hmm. But Baby Yoda, Grogu, oh my goodness, how can you look in those into those big eyes and, and not melt? So it, it is... It's like a Trojan horse to a certain extent. It's like they bring in this baby Yoda to to eliminate the the threat of the uh, of the of the let's say the the, the hyper negativity around Star Wars. And I think this is going to be very successful. Now the movie apparently will be directed by John Favreau, who of course was the one who came up with this whole concept of, of baby Yoda. Um, he's been creating the Mandalorian as well as a couple of other. Uh, Star Wars television series together with Dave Filoni, but Dave Filoni has his own movie. So now both showrunners, you could say, although Disney so far hasn't used that term, I think, for the both of them, but both these creators of The Mandalorian and I think the most influential voices right now when it comes to what Star Wars is and what Star Wars will become will each have their own movie. And Jon Favreau, of course, I'm, I'm not telling you anything new, is a, an incredible director and, and also an incredible writer, someone who really knows how to reach the heart, the feelings of the people that watch his movies. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of, of what, what John Favreau has done. All his movies are, are amazing, and what he's done for Star Wars, uh, it's, it's just insane. To a certain extent, I, I even think that he is, he is 
he is better able to reach my heart as a Star Wars fan than George Lucas was. George was a visionary. He was a storyteller, but he wasn't very good at, at you know, the, on the emotional level. And I think that, that Favreau has, um, even more than Dave Filoni, who is more akin, I think, to George Lucas in terms of his style of storytelling, but I think that Favreau is instrumental when it comes to making Star Wars feel uh, or make me makes me feel something as a Star Wars fan, um, and and that's that's I think just part of who he is and part of the way in which he tells stories, and so I expect this movie to be a massive success for Disney. I I, I guarantee you uh, this movie is going to be a box office hit. Now, in addition to that, we have some. Related news that also made me super happy, namely in the press release for this upcoming fourth movie about the Mandalorian and Grogu, there was also an aside and that it, it confirmed that yes, Ahsoka season two is now in production, which is something that of course I was hoping for, I kind of expected it, but I think it's also because they seem to have changed a little bit the order of release of these movies. And since we first get a movie about The Mandalorian and Grogu, which is very smart because a lot of a lot of the teams are already working on the next Mandalorian season. So you have already all that experience and talent and the actors and the puppeteers and the special effects people. They're ready. The only thing they need to do is to upscale it to give it more budget and maybe more time and more resources but what they've been doing, it's basically doing that for a theatrical audience. So I think it's very smart. It's probably also a very cost-effective way to bring us that first movie. But it means that the Dave Filoni movie that was going to be about the Mandovers and was going to be about how all these different stories in, in um, Ahsoka, the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett would all come together in this, you know, in this culmination on the big screen. Because that movie is probably going to be pushed back a little bit, we, I think, do get more room for season two of Ahsoka. That's my theory. And then, of course, we've got two other movies that um, are very intriguing, and that's the one about the origins of the Force. So it's like Star Wars prehistory prehistory uh, so we go back to the Jurassic the Jurassic age of of the force um, that is still very vague we don't know anything about it that is going to be a world without Jedi so mm, from a marketing perspective that's more of a risky uh, a risky step to take and then of course we get this movie with Ray as the central figure she will try to rebuild the Jedi Order, or at least rebuild a Jedi school. And and that story apparently is also already very far in development. They felt confident enough that they could, you know, talk about it in the press last week. So we, we had that, 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 that press release or the interview with the female director of the movie about Rey. Um, super excited. And then right on the heels of that... A few days later, we get this surprise announcement of this fourth movie. Star Wars is looking good, I have to say. It's, it's making me so happy that I am 
that I am experiencing this. This is a golden age for Star Wars fans like me. And uh, and also makes me want to go back and rewatch some of the Star Wars movies. And oh, the other day I was I was reading about Rogue One. And since we now know that Andor will be pushed to 2025, I was like, I need to go and rewatch Rogue One. It's been several years since I last watched that movie. And it's so good. I I, I may go back and I don't know. Let me know if you want me to talk more about um, those those existing movies and TV shows. Maybe I can come up with um, some some like a video series or something like that. Uh, just let me know what you uh, what you'd be interested in. The most beloved fantasy story of all time. It is the tale of a small hobbit and the great wizard who appeared to him one day. All right, dude, check it out. Go like that way, and then up this one mountain and then kill all the hippies you come across. No, no, I'm searching for a dragon's treasure. I'm the wizard, you're the dwarf, and you will respect my authority. I am no dwarf. Last week I told you that I started playing The Mines of Moria, which is the only game that I know of that takes place in the fourth era of Middle-earth, which in itself is a fascinating glimpse of what could have been. We all know that Tolkien was thinking about writing a sequel to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He never realized it. He did start writing, and then he gave up on it. And he didn't feel good about it, and it never materialized. I think there might still be, you know, some some written stuff, some notes maybe somewhere in the archives of the Tolkien estate. Maybe it has been published. I'm not that much of a scholar to know for sure. But we do know that there are some glimpses of what this fourth era, so it's the time period after the events of The Lord of the Rings, what that looked like in the appendices that Tolkien wrote. And this is also what makes it possible for these game developers to use that particular era and what we know about what Tolkien wanted to do during that era, um, to use that as the basis of their game. Because as you can, as you are familiar uh, with, uh, the Tolkien estate is very protective of what people can do with Tolkien's works. And since he sold the rights to the Lord of the Rings story and to The Hobbit, um, uh, and, and he's, the Tolkien estate has very little influence on that, the appendices... Are, 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 are explored uh, to the, the, the most intricate details um, by the makers of this game and also for the Rings of Power series. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we see in the Rings of Power is based on the appendices. So it's not based on the Silmarillion. As many people think it is, but they can't because the, the Tolkien estate is unwilling to uh, release the... Um, or to, to grant people to use that story. They're super protective of it, which I can understand. And I'm very glad that we have those appendices because it forms a very fertile base, even though that was just written as an appendice, as, as an appendix. So it's something that Tolkien just wrote probably to placate the readers of his trilogy, um, but, but it was never meant to be more important than The Lord of the Rings. And now it is used as the basis for so many other, you know, new stories to tell in, in Middle-earth that are based on canon events. Uh, just like we get to see a new Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movie. Let's not forget about that one, The War of the Rohirrim. So Rohan, of course, was, was a, such a fundamental um, 
part of the story of the Lord of the Rings and especially of the movies. The, the second movie uh, is uh, very much about the the, uh, the battle at Helm's Deep and the, the Rohan uh, culture. And so this whole, this whole movie is going to be based on that particular part of what Tolkien wrote uh, in, in the Lord of the Rings about the Rohirrim. Um, so I, I don't know how they're going to tell this story, um, but I have no doubt that Peter Jackson knows what he's doing. He is a, a massive fan, and also uh, the Philippa Boyens and uh, of the other people that work with him, um, they are not official Tolkien scholars, but they have a vast knowledge of, of Tolkien's world. So I'm also extremely curious about what they did with that particular story. So um, being able to... to walk through the mines of Moria almost on a daily basis. I usually do this before I go to bed. I like to hang out in, in the mines of Moria with Michiel, with Inge, and we walk around and we kill some orcs and find some resources and we make our way through the mines. It's a lot of fun. And the only downside of that game is that it's all underground. So it does get a little bit oppressive. It's a good thing that I play this in the evening when it's dark outside. It's the winter right now. So it feels appropriate to be in the dark all the time. But in order to compensate for this kind of dark experience, gaming-wise, I've also started to play, and I'm just setting my first steps in a, in a world that is very similar to the world of Middle-earth. Um, it's based on what we know of the medie medieval culture, and the game is called Medieval Dynasty. And it's apparently as... Um, a video game in a series of games where you have to build a dynasty. So you have to build a, a like a, a a town, start a family, and make sure that your legacy continues through the Middle Ages. Uh, in this case, it's Middle Ages. And what I love about this game is it looks as good as Skyrim, if you have ever played that. It's, it's very immersive. It's the same kind of first-person perspective, so it really feels like you're walking around there. It's beautifully rendered. When I walk around through the woods and I see a river in the distance, it feels like I'm in Middle Earth. It doesn't have the, the, the fantasy aspect, but it does have that same vibe of like back to nature. This is, you know, there's no technology there. And it's a lot of fun to discover the mechanics of the game almost just by playing it. You don't have to learn a lot of rules. You just want to chop a tree and then you realize, well, wait a minute, I can only carry one tree at a time because these things are heavy. And so it's very realistic. You also get hungry. It, when it snows, you get cold. So you have to... It's, it's also part, par partially a survival game. It's, and it, it, it just makes me feel like I, I live in Middle Earth. This is... It's strange. It, again, it doesn't have a, a fantasy component. And yet it's the most Middle Earth type experience that I've ever uh, had thanks to this game. So it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm waiting for the moment that I can play games like these in 3D, in virtual reality. This uh, The technology is not there yet. Um, even the Quest 3 with uh, its upgraded chip, they, they can do very immersive games, but it still looks like a video game. I mean, the quality of the graphics is uh, is a bit like a PlayStation 3. That's uh, the best you can get. So <laughs> un un it will probably take... 
three, four years is my guess until we get the kind of realism that is needed to make you actually forget that you're in a fake world. And, and that's where I think this VR technology is going very quickly. I'll talk a little bit more about um, uh, some, some new things that we, uh, that we learned about the upcoming Apple Vision Pro in the premium segment of this show. Uh, and, and you know, it's very easy to get access to the premium version by becoming uh, the lowest tier member of my, my Patreon community. So all my paying patrons are getting access to a premium show every single week. And it's it's more of, the, of what you like to listen to here. It's, it's just, yeah, I have, I have some more room to talk about stuff that is... Uh, um, that I'm passionate about. All right, um, let's talk about Harry Potter. That's another um, like fantasy franchise that is currently again in development. We all know that Warner wants to milk their franchise, make money with Harry Potter, and uh, from what I've heard, they still don't know exactly what they want. They they have committed themselves to a what is it like eight season television series based on the books it's going to be much more much closer to the books than the movies were um but they are still not sure if they want to recast the actors if they want to you know make it real life or and somewhere i'm hoping that they're going for that if they are going to turn this into an animated television series. I think that would be, for me as a Harry Potter fan, the smartest thing, because then they avoid um, blowing up basically what the franchise has established over the past 15 years. We are so much associating the Harry Potter brand with how it was visualized in the movies. I, I mean, you think of Harry Potter, you think of Daniel Radcliffe, you think of Hermione, you think of Ron, you think of of, of uh, Hagrid, you see the faces of the actors. And, and recasting them, I think we'll throw all that away, not to mention all the merchandise that is based on the movies, the, the Lego sets, the, all that will be erased if they recast and, and change the overall looks of the magical world. They can avoid all that by going animated, animation. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm worried. And at the same time, I'm also excited because the books have so much more stuff that is cool and that is interesting and charming that I want to see. And uh, just the other day, I was comparing the movie to the first chapters of the of the first Harry Potter book, the Philosopher's Stone. Um, and I noticed that the book start. I'd totally forgotten about that because it's been 20 years since I've read that book. It starts in a totally different way. It starts with the Dursleys. And it's the father who goes to work and then he hears all these strange muggle rumors and he sees people walking around in wizard robes in the streets of London and he's like, what is going on? And then it turns out that it's all because uh, the, the wizards are finally daring to show themselves in public because you know who is no longer there. You know, the, the Voldemort's effort to kill Harry Potter has failed. The boy now lives. And that is such a victory. That's such proof that Voldemort is not invincible that they dare to come out. That whole, I think that's an, that's an amazing part of the story. 
it's it's completely left out of the movie because of course you can only do so much in a what is a two-hour movie um but so i i am excited about this idea of expanding the the story and integrating all the other stuff that's in the books and and I think that would work really well, provided, of course, that the screenplay is well written. And that's also where my fear is. Because if, if J.K. Rowling is involved and she is very hands-on, we've seen this when uh, they started to develop the Fantastic Beasts series. I'm not entirely certain that that is going to be good for the series, that it's going to be good for the franchise. First of all, because she has proven time and again that she's not very good at screenwriting. Those Fantastic Beasts stories were very flawed. Um, I, I hated the last movie. I <laughs> still am not over that. How can they mess up the franchise like that? Um, but also the other Fantastic Beasts uh, movies were, were kind of mediocre. Um, so I don't think that she is good at this and the second thing of course is that uh jk rowling is is surrounded by controversy and so the more she is involved in the the, the this new incarnation of her stories the 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 more that controversy will reflect upon uh, upon the franchise as such so i'm hoping that they keep her at a distance, and they will do what, what actually they did very well with Star Wars. Just bring in new storytellers, just, <laughs> ideally, I would say, just l let J.K. Rowling sell her, her, her franchise. She's never going to do that as long as she lives. But that would be so much better for, for the Harry Potter franchise and for the stories. Um, that's my personal opinion. You may not agree with me, but I, I really feel that this controversy is not going away. And, uh, and it's also something you don't want to have associated with such, such warm stories in, in its essence. I think the, you know, who doesn't have a certain nostalgia? These were feel-good stories that we used to read when we were a lot younger than we are today. And, and now it's all kind of tainted with all the bitterness and all the, all the fighting on the internet and, you know... I, I want this wizarding world to be a fantasy world. That, that's why I read fantasy. I want to step out of this world and out of the, the controversy. I want to be in this magical world. And when fantasy becomes too much entangled with these real-life problems, then it doesn't work as an escape anymore. Speaking of escapism, um, I wrote an article the other day about... Uh, Tolkien and how he actually sees escapism as a positive thing. I th I, it was a, it's a, was a wonderful um, discovery, actually. I was rereading um, his book on fairy tales where he explains what his, the, the purposes of these stories that he tells about fairies. And a lot of people kind of thought that that was not serious writing. You know, you, you can't take these, these children's stories seriously and he explains well actually it it is very important that we tell these fantasy stories and one of the reasons is they help us to visualize a world that is better than the world that we live in and we need to have those dreams if you are a prisoner you need to keep dreaming about the world outside that will keep you going if the walls of the prison in which you, you live is all you can think of and all you can talk about you're going to have a miserable life what keeps people going is hope 
And that's what stories provide us with. I thought it was a, 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 an incredible vision of the importance of storytelling. So if you missed that article that I wrote, just uh, check out my Patreon site. It's, uh, it, it's part of, the, of last week's uh, stories. And with that, I think it's time to wrap things up here, at least when it comes to the public part of the show. I will talk a little bit more about... Um, about Vinland Saga, which is an anime series that I'm watching this month. So every month now, I'm going to watch a a different series. This is also to counteract my ADHD habits, where I go from episode to episode and I watch everything at once. I want to focus on one story at a time. So I'm going to finish the Vinland Saga, created a number of TikTok videos about it. Um... And I love it because in Vinland Saga, there's a lot of history, real history, and even church history that is integrated in the story. So I'll explain a little bit uh, what I've discovered in, um, in the premium part of the show. Also talk a bit more about technology, about the Apple Vision Pro, as I, as I said. And, um, uh, oh, I bought some new technology for my kitchen, and I'm scared of it. <laughs> I'm really scared of it. All that and more coming from my premium members. Uh, but but all of you, I want to thank you so much that every week you tune in, you listen to this show. Hopefully it brings you joy. It makes you enthusiastic about stuff and maybe also inspire you from time to time. I don't know. Do with it what you want, but I'm happy that you're there. And I'd love it if you could join my Patreon community. So take a look. Take care. See you next time. May the force be with you. <laughs>